let's get this web conference underway. We'll start with a karakia. Una hia te pō te pō whirimarama. Tomakia te ao te ao whatetangata. Tātai ki runga, tātai ki raro, tātai ahurau, humie, huie, tai ki e. Kia tato and welcome to our Changing Climate web conference this morning. Hopefully you've enjoyed the field trip and perhaps already virtually met Davina and Fiona through the videos and the Google Earth tour. So a big welcome to our experts, Davina and Fiona, um, and we'll give you an opportunity to introduce yourselves. Um, just going around the screens that I can see here, we'll start with Davina. Kia ora. Kia ora, Shelley. Kia ora, Tato. Ko Davina McNichol, toku ingoa. I'm a scientist um, here at Environment Canterbury, and I don't know, you guys are local, so I'm sure you know who Environment Canterbury is, but we're basically the regional council here in, in the region. So we look after the rivers and the air and the land and the buses, funnily enough, and we also look after civil defence. And you guys will all know all about that from all of the earthquakes that we've had in Canterbury. So we're a big place. We've got lots of things that we have to do, um, but it's a really interesting organisation. And hopefully today we can help you understand a little bit more about climate change. So really nice to meet you. Looking great with your masks on, everybody. Ka pai. Kia ora. Thanks, Davina and Fiona. Morena koutou. Ko Fiona Shannon toku ingoa. Um, good morning, everybody. My name is Fiona, and I'm the Chief Scientist at Environment Canterbury. So Davina and I work really closely together, and um, what, this is just one of the exciting projects that we've done recently, is to, to try to share some of our understanding of climate change with you. So we really hope you've been enjoying the field trip, and we look forward to hearing your questions today. Kia ora. Kia ora. Ko Shelley Taku Ingoa. So your learns kai arahi. I have the privilege of going on all sorts of learns field trips, even down to Antarctica, where I first met Fiona in her previous job. So it's great to be looking at such a topical issue of climate change. And a big welcome to our speaking school, Mount Pleasant School. It's great to have you with us this morning. And I must say, you've been working hard, obviously, from the questions that are in front of me. Um, great to see that you've been really thinking about the issue and what it means to you and what you might be able to do about it. Well, we'll start with your questions. Um, actually, before we do, um, it'd be really cool if we could find out a little bit more about your class. Is there anyone there that can introduce your class and what you've been up to? Uh, hi, my name is Gray and I'm from Mount Pleasant and the unit of inquiry that we've just started is how technological advances in human activity have accelerated Earth's environment changes. And we're using the learns field trip as a tuning in, as tuning in for inquiry. And we've got some questions, so. Did you hear him okay? Awesome, yeah, yep. And um, what a big topic. Well done for uh, getting amongst that. Good stuff, thank you. And we'll start with question number one, please. I actually. Question one. Um, what action do we have to take to help a river's ecosystem? Ah, big question. Who would like to start with that one? Sabina. 
Oh, I, I could probably jump in there and, and have a crack at this one. Um, unfortunately, Duncan, who you would have seen in our videos, isn't able to be here today. And Duncan would know all about this because he is our freshwater ecologist and he knows everything about uh, the rivers of Canterbury um, and their ecology. But I mean, if, if I sort of think of a few things that we can do to help our rivers ecosystems, it would be things like um, planting plants along the banks of rivers and that's streams as well as rivers. It doesn't have to be the great big rivers, but even just the local streams. And you can, um, you can find out about all sorts of community events where they do lots and lots of planting around waterways um, in Christchurch and also out in the region as well. And uh, looking at picking up rubbish. So if you're walking your dog along the river or you're just having a stroll or biking to work or school, you don't bike to work, I don't think. Um, then picking up rubbish is a really great way to help as well. So keeping our rivers nice and clean. Um, a really important thing um, that we don't think about so much in the city is how much sort of nasty stuff gets into our waterways from things like stormwater runoff. So when it rains, all that rainwater goes down our driveways, off the footpath, off the road, and it goes straight into our rivers. So it's really important that we remember that. And if you see mum or dad washing the car on the driveway and then hosing all that dirty, soapy stuff down the drive into the, into the footpath, you might want to say, hey, that's going to go straight to the river. So maybe you should do that on the grass. Um, something like that. You know, little things like that are really important. So planting, keeping our waterways clean with rubbish getting picked up, um, but also um, remembering things like you know, brake pads on cars contain horrible things like copper. And if we get too much of that in our waterways, it can be really bad for the ecosystem. So you can tell mum and dad to maybe swap their copper brake pads for a, for a better alternative. It's not very expensive, but it makes a big, big difference. But yeah, there's lots and lots of stuff that you can do, small things that you can do that will make a big difference. If everybody does a small thing, it's a big difference in the end. So um those are a few things. I don't know if Fiona's got any extras she might want to add. Yeah, thanks, Davina. Those are really great things that we can all do to make a difference for rivers. There's one other thing that I was thinking about too, was just stopping and thinking about how much water we use, because all the water that we use, whether it's for having a shower or washing our dishes or even cleaning the car, like Davina says, all of that water comes either from our rivers or from, from rivers that essentially flow beneath the ground, which is called groundwater. So if we think about using less water ourselves, it means that we'll have more water left in the rivers. And that water obviously supports the huge range of plants and animals that live there. So we really can make a difference whether we live here in the city or out on a farm somewhere. Indeed. Kia ora. Thanks, Davina and Fiona. Great ideas that we can all think about. And question number two, please. How does pollution affect the weather patterns? Another good question. Perhaps we'll start with Fiona this time. Sure, that is a good question. So I guess in relation to this topic, we're, we're thinking about pollution as, as greenhouse gases, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> lots of nods. Perfect. Well, 
when we think about greenhouse gases, they are the gases that we emit when we're burning fossil fuels. So when we're driving around in our cars or when we're using coal to, to fire up a power plant, things like that. And when those gases end up in our atmosphere, they kind of wrap around our planet like a big smothering blanket. And that big blanket keeps our planet warmer than it would otherwise be. So that blanket and the fact that it's keeping us warmer means that our atmosphere can hold more moisture. So if you've got an atmosphere that holds more moisture, it means that when it rains, those rainfall events can be much more intense. And that intense rainfall can lead to floods and other problems. We saw that a little bit in, in Canterbury, um, almost this time last year actually, with very, very big floods um, in the countryside and that affected a lot of um, a lot of people and their properties. So we can have more intense storms. We can also have the absolute opposite. So it can mean that areas that are prone to drought, like the areas around um, Twizel or Tikapur in the Mackenzie Basin, or even out on Banks Peninsula, not far from us here, those areas that can be a little bit drought prone can get even drier. So the way these greenhouse gases interact with our climate system really does have an impact on all of us. And as we, as we look into the future, we're expecting to see things like fewer frosts, which can, you know, you might think that's not so bad, don't have to go to school on such cold mornings, but that can have a really big impact on um, pests and diseases that affect our crops. And we can also expect more hot days where the temperatures get up above 25 degrees, which for, for some plants and animals and people as well, it can make them quite stressed from the heat. So there's a lot of different ways that, that these greenhouse gases um, interact with our climate system. And I guess that's why we're all really conscious and wanting to learn more about how those interact and what we can do to make a difference. Excellent. Kia ora. Thanks, Fiona. And just curious whether there's any other types of air pollution, um, perhaps natural, that might have the reverse impact on our our weather and climate, possibly. Yeah, there's there has been some research into um, the impact of, of particles. So you imagine a, a big volcanic eruption spewing out a whole lot of lava and ash into the atmosphere. And we have seen it at various times in the past that when there's been large volcanic eruptions around the world that the ash particles in the atmosphere have actually um, shown a little bit of a cooling in our, in our climate, but this is only really subtle. And of course we can't um, make volcanic eruptions happen on demand. That's definitely not a, a way of um, cooling our climate. And of course those are sorts of eruptions cause a whole lot of damage and destruction to the communities around them. So. Um, whilst they might make a little bit of a difference, they certainly can't reverse the effects that we're seeing these days with the um, greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere increasing. Good stuff. Thanks, Fiona. And we're up to question number three now, please. 
How can we encourage people to get connected with nature? Uh, another good question. We'll start with Davina this time. Sure. Um, I think this is a great question, and I think it's something that it's really um, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you guys are thinking about that because it's an important thing to connect with nature so that we can all respect it and, and want to look after um, our climate um, so that we can continue to enjoy our outdoor wild places. And we're really lucky here in Christchurch, particularly you guys in Mount Pleasant, you've got the hills on your back doorstep. So we're very, very lucky to live where we do. We've got the coast just up the road. We've got the hills behind us. We've got the mountains not too far away. And we've got the rivers and the plains. So we, we live in an amazing um, part of the country and we're very, very lucky. But I think one thing that we can do to encourage other people to get involved and to get out there and connect with nature is just to, to talk about it, to talk about how much you love doing it, to share your stories about fun times you've had, um, tell people where you've been on the weekend, encourage your friends to go for a walk with you down to the local wetland or um, uh, encourage mum and dad and the family to go for picnics somewhere. That's the sort of thing that, you know, if we share those stories and experiences with other people, then they'll be, they'll be excited about it as well. There's also lots of really cool things that get, that get organised, um, particularly around Christchurch, where community groups organize um, days where you can actually go and learn about the local places as well so um, get involved in some of those local groups like if you hear that there's going to be a planting day go and go and get involved and learn about the places that that are nearby um, and and be a part of making them making them better um, but yeah sharing stories and talking about nature and, and getting out there and you know, having a good time in the environment and, and then encouraging others to do it just by sharing stories, I think, is, is a really good way of doing that. Um, the other thing you can do is encourage people to take an interest in the environment too. So like I said earlier, you know, telling mum and dad that washing the car on the driveway is not a great thing to do and um, encouraging people to be more aware of the environment around them um, just by um, helping them understand how important it is for us all. Kia ora. thanks Davina and yeah I think we're incredibly lucky in our country that we've got so many wonderful places to escape to to connect with nature and it might be through sport might just be going for a wander with your whanau there's all sorts of ways you can go you know just casual or you can be like Fiona and go on the god zone <laughs> and be out there for several days exploring the the great outdoors and really getting to know nature and looking at it in a different way so you know that it's worth protecting and looking after. So that's a really great question. Thank you so much for that. Um, now we'll move to question number four, please. How did climate change not get noticed as a major problem by governments until recently? Uh, yes, and I'm really interested to hear the answer to this one. Who would like to start? I'll take that one. That's that's a really interesting question because I think um, scientists and have have known about climate change for a long time now, and they've been trying to talk to governments around the world and share their knowledge about what's happening and and tell governments that you know we really do need to act. This is a this is a problem that is affecting all of us, but. 
what we've noticed, I guess, is that some governments are a little bit reluctant to listen. So they've been a little bit slow in taking the action that the scientists would have liked. And I think now that we're starting to see some of the real impacts of climate change, like the, the floods I talked about last year, they were made worse because of the impacts of climate change. When we see those effects in our own backyard, we stop and go, oh gosh, this really is a bit of a problem. We need to do something about it. So often that can be the case for people that, you know, you might tell them that something's a problem, but until they feel the impacts themselves, they think, ah, we don't need to worry about that. So as we start to see um, larger changes, you know, we if you, if you look at a study around the Pacific Islands and the impact of sea level rise on those communities, that's having an impact on people's day-to-day -day lives. And I guess the, the exciting thing that we can all do to make a difference here is that the more we all ta start talking about these challenges, the more our governments will start to listen. So governments are really responsive to um, the needs and the priorities of the people that they serve. So if you start to to make a bit of noise and, and tell the government that this really is a problem and that we need to act. You might have seen some of that happening through the schools strike for climate. Those sorts of things really bring these challenges to the attention of the government and collectively we can all make a difference that way. Yeah, and that's a, a really good point because we often forget that as citizens, people in the community, we, we have a say in things. So it might be just like your school council where you vote for something and you decide, well, no, we need this to happen. And you start um, telling all your friends and you'll start voting or you start sending letters and communicating your ideas. It might be that you are trying to get something done in your local community. It's the same with, with the government. You can communicate with them and tell them about what you're thinking. So if you're th you think they're not taking enough action, then you might be able to do something about that as a class and communicate your ideas to the government because they're voted in by people, um, not at your age when you get to, what is it, 18, you're allowed to vote, but you can still have a say. So as a class, get together and think about whether you want to do that. Awesome. And Shelley, I was just going to add um, one thing because you guys also heard from Irina in the videos and Irina is a representative of our um, youth Ropu. So that's a group of young people who have, have a say at our council. So they actually, um, from a youth voice, so you know, representing you guys, actually go in and talk to councillors who make decisions for our region. So there is, um, there's definitely similar things that happen at, uh, up in Wellington at a government level, but even, even just finding out a little bit more about what the youth ropu are up to might be a, a good way for you to understand how you can have your views heard um, by decision makers, people that make the rules. So that would be um, something else you could look at. Mm, totally. Excellent. And question number five, please. Such a big pollutant? Uh, good question. So, you've obviously been looking at um, what makes up um, climate change impacts, which industries are contributing. So, you've found out about agriculture. So, who would like to answer that one? 
I can have a go at that to begin with, and, and Fiona might um, add something to that. Um, yeah, you're right. Agriculture is um, a big polluter, and I and I guess what we need to remember though is that when it comes to climate change, there's lots and lots of different um, things that contribute towards it, and agriculture is definitely one of them, and quite a big one. Um, but another one is is actually the amount of um, pollution that comes from electricity generation and using water and all of those sorts of things. So we living in the cities tend to think that it's the farm's problem, right? And that and that is a little bit true. There definitely is stuff that can be done on farms to to reduce the amount of emissions that they that they have. And Fiona might be able to talk to us a little bit about the intensive um, in agriculture and how things have changed. But um, one thing I would sort of suggest to all of you is that you think about your own impacts from a city perspective. And when we live in a city, there are lots of things that, that we can do that reduce our impact on climate change as well. And that's things like turning the lights off when you leave the room, using less water, having shorter showers. I don't want to say don't have showers because I have a 12 year old and I'm always telling him to have a shower. So have a shower, but just make it short. Um, reduce the amount of stuff that you buy that's got lots of packaging on it. Um, go to the local market, buy things that are grown locally. So the more that we can do those types of things, then we can also make a difference from where we live. Um, but agriculture definitely does have a part to play and, and Fiona might want to talk about the intensive stuff a little bit perhaps. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Davina. Um, I think if we if we look back over time in, in New Zealand's history, we used to have big um, big farms. There would be lots of animals, but they were quite spread out over over vast areas. And as New Zealand as a as a country has developed, our farming practices have become more intensive over time. So we're seeing um, smaller overall farm sizes on an individual basis, but each of those individual farms tend to have more animals per, per hectare is often a way it's described than we've seen in the past. And so we've got a, a, a sheer increase in the number of, of agricultural livestock animals. And with those animals, the, the way that their, their bodies are made up um, they do release methane, which is quite a potent greenhouse gas. You might have learnt a little bit about that. So that's, you know, agriculture is a, a really important part of New Zealand's economy. The, the increase in livestock numbers has come about because we see a need not only to feed people here in New Zealand, but we export these products around the world. And that's a really important part of New Zealand's economy. So each country has has different um, different emissions profiles, if you like. They have different uh, contributions of various sources that that collectively make up their greenhouse gas emissions. For us here in New Zealand, agriculture sure is a big one, but um, farmers are are really passionate about the environment as well as their animals, and so they're really interested in looking into new technologies, different ways of, of feeding the animals. Um, they can even look at some sorts of special enzymes that inhibit some of the processes that lead to this methane production. So there's 
a whole lot of research and development going on to try to find ways to really limit the, the impact of agricultural greenhouse gas emissions. So that's um, an exciting possibility for all of us. But if we are thinking about you know, things that, that we could do to make a difference, I guess a lot of us eat meat and drink milk and eat cheese. And if we ate just a little bit less milk, uh, ate a little bit less milk, if we drank a little bit less milk or if we ate a little bit less meat, then we'd need fewer animals to feed us all. So those are some of the things that, that we can do that are linked to um, agricultural emissions. So you can have a chat with your, your families or your friends to see what they do and, and see if you have a few vegetarian meals each week. They're pretty delicious. Yeah, that's a really good point because um, often when we're thinking about this issue, we're wanting to um, solve the biggest problems when really it's all all adding up from everything that everyone does. And we need agriculture. We need to feed the world. Um, so we've got to remember that it's not just a luxury. And then we think about what is a luxury for ourselves. So as Fiona said, it might be that, you know, the luxury is eating meat every day. Well, perhaps if we just ate it three times a week instead of every day, we could make a huge difference. So it's not about going, oh, no, we can't have agriculture because they're the biggest problem. Um, it's more thinking about, well, actually, I rely on agriculture. How could I rely on it less? Or how can um, agriculture work to be more efficient? And we did a really interesting field trip um, during Sea Week last year, where they were doing trials of feeding seaweed to um, cattle to see if it reduced their methane emissions, and it did. So they're now trying to figure out how they might be able to upscale that so it can be used on farms. So there is a, quite a lot of work that's being done in agriculture. It's a really important question, thank you. And question number six now, please. Why do we as children need to make change when we've done nothing wrong? Uh, this is a good question. Really interested in the answer for this one. Davina, do you want to start? Oh, I was trying to hospital pass this one to Fiona. <laughs> no, look, I think I think it is a really good question. And I can totally see how you guys must feel like you've been lumbered with this problem and you didn't cause it. Um, I guess what we have to, to remember is that this, this climate change problem has been coming for a really, really, really long time. So this isn't something that's just happened in the last 10 years. It's been coming for a long time. We've had practices in the past that we just didn't realise were bad for the environment. And that's been true of humans throughout millennia. We've done stupid things that we didn't realise were going to be bad for us. Um, but, you know, now that we have much more information about how bad things are with the climate, then we can make changes, right? And I think that it's for all of us to um, make those changes and to recognise that we all have a wee part to play. You may not have caused climate change, but there are things that, that we can all do to, to help. And we've talked about that already, a few things, you know, like reducing the amount of meat that we eat, um, getting out there and being involved in, in planting around our streams and things like that. So, you know, um, 
there are lots and lots of of actions that we can take that are quite small. They don't you don't have to be changing the world all of a sudden, um, but making small um, actions will will make a really big difference. And if we all do that together, whether or not we feel that it was our fault, I think that's that's the key, is that we all go okay, it is what it is. It's a bit of a mess. Let's just all muck in and fix it. So um, we we totally get that. Um, that young people probably feel like they've been lumbered with a problem that they didn't cause. And, and, and that is probably true, but you, you guys can be the future and really make a change and look at what's been happening around the world with, with uh, the climate strikes, the school strikes for climate. Young people have made a huge difference to getting the world to sit up and listen and, and make changes. So Keep doing that. Keep getting involved. Keep keep rattling. You know. Keep demanding that people do stuff, uh, and they and they will listen. Um, but yeah, I think we just need to remember that we can all make a difference. It's up to all of us now to to do little things to um, to stop climate change from getting worse. Fiona, do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah. Thanks, Davina. Those those are really important points that you've made, and and I think it's the the part we we talk about it being up to all of us is it's so important. The conversations that you have with your friends and your family, all of that really does make a difference in terms of raising people's awareness and understanding, not only of, of the challenge, but of the things that we can all do to contribute. And I guess if, if we think about some of the other, the other things that happen around the world that, that we didn't cause, like you might hear from time to time of, of natural disasters, of um, tsunamis affecting other countries or, or places where they have earthquakes and storms, severe storms, they sometimes need our help. So it's, it's our help comes, um, you know, it, we're helping other people to, with a problem that, that we haven't caused ourselves, but, but our assistance in solving the problem is a really good thing to do. Anyway, so with climate change, it's it's just like that, but on a much bigger scale. Yeah, indeed. So once you find out something is wrong, um, we don't want to repeat the wrongs. So it's all about learning and thinking about what we might do differently in the future. So a really, really important question. And one thing I'd like to say is that, you know, it's it's little things that we can all do. It doesn't have to be massive. I mean, it can be if you want it to be, but it's little changes that have led to this problem. So it's little changes that can help reduce the problem. And we've got to remember that, that every little thing we do does make a difference because there are so many of us and there didn't used to be. So every person has a wee part to play. And... Question number seven now, please. How has renewable energy changed over time? Uh, this is another quality question. Thank you. That's a great question. And it's really exciting for us to see how we're using more and more renewable energy. I think here in New Zealand, we're really lucky to have a whole range of different natural renewable energy sources. And so for a long time, we've, we've harnessed the, the energy from water through hydroelectric power schemes. They've developed over the years. You might have 
done some studies on the the Clyde Dam and how um, they they built this dam to use the energy from the water there. There are numerous examples all around the country of of these hydro schemes. But as time's gone on, we've got better and better with our technology and, and our ability to store energy like in batteries. So we're starting to see more solar panels being used, more wind farms being used. You, you probably hear about windy Wellington sometimes. And so if you look up on the hills around Wellington, there are a lot of wind turbines that are capturing the, the energy from the wind there. And so we really are starting to make the most of New Zealand's um, natural resources and ones that are, are renewable too, which is fantastic. And I think as, as time goes on, we're going to see more and more of that technology develop and we'll start to see an even broader range of alternatives. So that's something really exciting for our future. Mm, and it's great to see that you've been learning about renewable energy and seeing the benefits of that over non-renewable energy like burning coal to generate electricity. So that's really good. Good mahi. Kia ora. Well, um, I've been really impressed with your questions this morning, Mount Pleasant School. And thank you very much to Davina and Fiona for such great answers. It's been a pleasure talking to everyone. We do have a few more minutes if you would like to ask any extra questions while we've got our experts on board here. Is there anything that anyone else wants to ask? You can pop it in the chat window or you can come up to the microphone and ask your question. I'll just add something about renewable energy. The more people use things like solar panels and electric batteries in that, the cheaper they become per unit because industry makes more of them and they get better at it. So the cost of solar panels has probably fallen. It will probably halved in the last 10 years. So oh, I don't have an exact number for that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, we've got another question as well. So, Charlie? How does the climate um, affect different environments? Ah, good question. Thanks, Charlie. Who would like to answer that one? I can answer that, Charlie. So, um, as you know, the, you know, the climate affects all of us in, in different ways. And, and here in New Zealand, we're lucky to have a pretty temperate climate. But um, I've done quite a lot of research in Antarctica, and that's a whole lot colder than it is here. So down there, there are perpetually cold conditions. There are huge ice sheets that cover most of Antarctica. And when we think about how climate affects those sorts of environments, all of the plants and animals that live there are specifically adapted to surviving in these cold, dry, windy environments. They've evolved over millions of years to suit those environmental conditions. And they're almost perfectly adapted to live just like that in that particular place. So when we think about um, the impact of of climate and how it's changing on environments like that, we start to see um, you know, small changes in, in temperature 
can actually have a really big impact on those environments. So for us in New Zealand, if we were to see a, a temperature change of a few degrees, people think, oh, you know, that's not much. We don't, we don't need to worry about that. But in Antarctica and for the glaciers around New Zealand, a small change in temperature can mean the difference between frozen ice and liquid water. So for those plants and animals living in Antarctica that are used to being really cold, if you warm them up a little bit, it can really upset their, their um, breeding cycles, their ability to, to move around the landscape, and you can start to see other plants and animals getting established in different areas, and you know, it can throw the whole cycle off balance. Similarly, if you, if you go to the tropics, where it's really hot and the climate stays relatively hot year round, the plants and animals that live there are specifically adapted to those hotter conditions. So all of these things, um, you know, the, the environment that we're surrounded by where Davina's talking about, you know, getting connected with nature and, and learning more about the world around you, each of, each of the plants and animals that we kind of live alongside are specifically adapted to, to live the way they do. And so that's why changes to, to our environment really do have an impact, not just on us, but on all the things around us. Mm, that's a good point. Thank you. And any other questions there this morning, Mount Pleasant School? So this is Dolly. Is landscape a factor in climate of different areas? Oh, good question, Ollie. I can ask, answer one thing. I don't know an awful lot about that, Ollie. Um, and Fiona will probably know lots more than I do. But I've grown up here in Canterbury, in Christchurch, just like many of you. And there's a couple of really interesting things about um, our place that makes our climate different. And it's mainly to do with those giant mountains on the other side of the island from us. And what happens when, when the wind comes towards New Zealand from the west and it, and it goes to the west coast and you will have heard that it rains an awful lot in the west coast. And that's, that's because the wind is coming towards them and it's full of moisture and it drops all of its moisture on the west coast, poor old west coast, constantly getting rain. But then as that moves over the mountains, and it's lost all of its moisture and it comes firing down across the plains towards us in a northwest wind and you will have all felt a northwest wind it's hot and it's dry and that's because the mountains have have encouraged all of the moisture to be dropped out of that wind as it passes across the plains it picks up heat and it gets drier and drier and we get hit with that really blustery hot Norwester, and you might some people get headaches from those Norwesters because it's so hot and dry. So the landscape makes a huge difference to um, to weather patterns. But Fiona might know a little bit about whether landscape makes a difference to climate because climate obviously is different to weather. Weather is what happens day to day. Climate's much more long term. Do you have anything else, Fiona? Oh, I think you've explained it perfectly, there, Davina. So as well as you know talking about the difference between the day-to-day -day weather conditions but the you know climate being a, a way of talking about what we experience over longer periods those la landscape factors that you've described they do actually have an impact on the on the longer term 
um, weather patterns that we get. So that's it's a perfect description, your example there, and one that we absolutely relate to here in Canterbury. Brilliant, thank you. And time for one more question if you've got one. It's okay if you don't. No, I don't think there's any more questions at this stage, but thank you, it's so awesome. Really informative. Kelly, can I ask a question? Absolutely. I'm gonna ask the Mount Pleasant School um, have they come up with any really cool ideas for how they're going to make a change and, and have an impact on reducing climate change themselves? Good question. Yeah, we shared some of our ideas on the field trip, so it'd be cool to hear your ideas too. We, because um, we are at the beginning of our uh, inquiry in this, one of the things that they will be looking at is, you know, definitely taking action. So I guess we've we've talked about possibilities, but something like, you know, in, being involved in this um, Zoom call is really, will really develop that thinking around what exactly they can do. So we're part of a PYP school, the International Baccalaureate Program. And a big part of that is to be taking action in our community. So um, yeah, they have a really big project in Term 3 as well, where they have to take action, especially for the Year 8. Um, but at the end of each inquiry, the, the idea is where it suits, you know, to, for them to take meaningful action. So definitely we'll be developing those ideas further um, after this. Fantastic. And I know um, the field trips only come out last week, so you haven't had long, but please feel free to share your ideas with learns even if it's you know in term four we'd still love to see what your ideas are and share them with other schools throughout the country as well so thank you so much everyone for um, attending our web conference this morning we've got another one at 9 30 tomorrow so you can listen into that one and before we go fiona's got her hand up <laughs> very well oh, <laughs> yep thank you um I just wanted to share with you at Mount Pleasant School that as you dig a little bit deeper into this um, learning inquiry, one of the things that we've done as part of our, our work um, to help people understand a little bit more about climate change across Canterbury is put together a website called itstimecanterbury.co.nz. And so that website's got a lot of information about the sorts of things, the sorts of changes we might expect here in Canterbury, as well as information about what people are doing to take action, ideas that, that you might be able to talk about within your class and within your families. And it's, it's basically a wealth of information. So have a look at that one as part of your studies. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thanks, We've got uh, two other classes that are inquiring into the same thing. So... Yeah, that'd be super helpful. Thank you for that. Fantastic. And that, that in the chat. That link's in the chat, and it's also on the resources page on the Learns website. So there's a few other sites that you can have a look at as well. But that it's Time Canterbury has heaps of good stuff on it. Kia ora koutou. Thank you very much, everyone. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, we'll now be able to unmute and all say goodbye. Ka kite ano. Bye, guys. I hope you have a great day and Thank hope to day. see you on another field trip Bye. soon. Bye. Bye.
Love.